Ah, motherhood. One minute, your mom of the year. I love you, mommy. Then the next? Mm, not so much. From bath time to bullying, from potty training to puberty, parenting is full of challenges. But one thing is for certain, you are not alone. Welcome to Modern Mom Probs. I'm your host, author, mother, parenting expert, Tara Clark. Join me while we tackle today's Modern Mom Problems. Welcome back to another episode of Modern Mom Probs. I'm your host, Tara Clark. If you like what we're doing here, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. Today, we are finding our unicorn space with Eve Rodsky. Eve Rodsky is the New York Times bestselling author of Fair Play. As a leading voice in the movement for equality in the home, workplace integration, and gender justice, Eve speaks regularly to corporations, the media, and individuals on the topic of rebalancing the work of the domestic sphere. In her new book, Find Your Unicorn Space, Eve draws from extensive research to provide an inspirational approach to ignite our creativity. Eve, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Tara. I'm so excited about this. During your entire bio, I could not contain my excitement to have you here today and to be talking about this. Well, again, I was, I, I told you before we started that your voice has been in my ear listening to episodes and I love how action oriented everything is. As one man said to me though, I do like to go dark to go light. So sometimes we will go dark, but I promise you will end up similarly to your other guests with practical solutions for people. I love that expression because I think that's sort of how this or like even my Instagram and my platform sort of came about sort of in a way. And I'll I'll explain what I mean by that really quickly. And then we'll jump in. But, you know, I started my account as very lighthearted. And we were talking about like first world problems, like first world problems that happen to be modern mom problems. But then the more we started talking about those things, then I was like, wait a second, let's talk about like actual mom problems, whether that is work-life integration, mental load, postpartum depression, so many of the other things that that we do talk about now. So it's interesting that, you know, you mentioned that right off the top of the bat. So anyway, let's jump into this. Eve, you are a brilliant writer and everyone's talking about your book, Fair Play. And as much as I love that book, that's not what we're talking about today. Today, we're going to be talking about finding your unicorn space. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how you even conceived of that concept. Well, First of all, I need to say that people keep saying, how is a book about creativity a sequel to a book about, you know, men doing more housework and childcare or the assumptions of women being the she fault and then moving uh, to a structured decision-making tool so that they are not the assumed she fault for their relationships? Why would creativity come next? Well, so many, Tara, of the women who were starting to embark on the fair play journey said to me that one of the reasons they were scared to embark on the journey is because if they did get time back outside of their roles as a parent, a partner, and or a professional, by professional, I mean anybody who works for pay or who works unpaid in the home, what would they do with that time? And so then I started to ask women, okay, when was the last time you can tell me that the most important thing you did that day was something that was not in service of being a parent, a partner, and or a professional. And so many women were at a loss 
for things they did that could fit into those categories. They would say to me, well, drink with a friend or a spin class. And I was asking and pushing them to go deeper. Turns out it's not about how we use our time. It's about how other people expect us to use our time. And so it becomes a much deeper conversation because it's not about productivity hacks. I can't tell you to wake up an hour earlier. I can't tell you that drink with a friend or a run in the park is going to be the antidote to burnout. What I realized researching my second book, Find Your Unicorn Space, is that the only thing I can tell women these days that will be a true antidote to burnout and to the sort of this this loss we've been feeling since the pandemic of our identity and our time and in some cases our sanity is that antidote is to be consistently interested in our own lives. And when I tell people that that's the answer to be consistently interested in your own life, it requires a little bit deeper of an understanding than just maybe one or two prescriptive sentences. And so while unicorn space was something that I brought up in fair play, this idea that we need something other than just self-care and friendships, which are really important, but this third thing, this deeper space for things that make us come alive, that required an entire book to really explore. Yeah, it, and it did. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm holding it here. It is at, what, upwards of 300 pages. Yeah, it's 300 pages. And so that was something that you could not have written in a paragraph or two as just you know, part of fair play. I loved the book. I thought it was incredible. I'm all about unicorns, right? And so like, how did you come up with like that particular phrase for why unicorn space? It could have been anything else in the world, but why unicorn space? Well, space and time is something I think about a lot because women were saying to me in 10 years of interviews that they were the one picking up the phone call from the kid, their kid's school when they were sick. They were the one canceling their own workday if there was an emergency at home because they could find the time, whereas their partner was better at focusing on one task at a time. So this idea of finding time became really important to me because we actually can't find time, Tara, right? We're not Albert Einstein. We can't fuck with the space-time continuum. There's just a different expectation about how women are supposed to use our time. And God forbid we use our time outside of those roles of being a parent, partner, and professional. God forbid I tell you, don't pick up the phone if your school calls. People get a stress response even when I picture that scenario for them in their heads. And so really what Unicorn Space became was this idea that we deserve this beautiful, magical space, but it doesn't fucking exist. Just like a unicorn, unless we conjure it, unless we make it, unless we draw it, unless we picture it. And so this idea and the word white space, people said, I need some white space to think. I never really liked that because a lot of my friends of color thought that that it just had a weird connotation to them. This idea of what is a white space to them? That's a space that they're not allowed into. So I never really liked the term white space, but I really like this idea of finding time and space because the space time continuum is something that we can't conjure up and change. And so we really have to change ourselves within the constraints of our society. And that means pushing back often against this idea of availability being part of identity. Availability should not be part of our identity, even though in many cases it is being available to our workplaces, to our partners, to our kids, it becomes part of women's identities. And so even though I could tell you to go find a mystical, magical, beautiful space, it's not going to exist like a unicorn until we sort of go through this magical forest 
having a permission to be unavailable from our roles, burning the guilt and shame that often ruin that magical and mystical space. And then, of course, asking for what we need. And so that took up a lot of the book before I could even get to the creative program. I had to recognize that so many people were having hurdles to claiming backspace for themselves because they were feeling an inordinate amount of availability being part of their identity and an inordinate amount of guilt and shame if they tried to change that learning. That unlearning was really hard. And so we spent a lot of time with women unpacking why it is that we've been conditioned to believe that our time is not our own and why we've been conditioned to give away our most valuable resource for free, our time. Yeah, because that started from very young, going back to conditioning. I'm sure we were doing that from a very early age. I know I was. Well, all you have to do is call schools. I called 50 schools for fair play and I asked the nurses and the doc, you know, the school administrators, why is it that you call women? And it was complicated. It wasn't just, oh, they're the first on our list. I mean, that that's just bullshit. A lot of it was, well, we don't really want to bother men, right? They're busy. So we've we've been taught since birth that men's time is finite, like diamonds, and our time as women is infinite like sand. And that discrepancy, we see it everywhere. I mean, we, we see that when women enter male professions, salaries automatically come down. So, you know, and we see it through money. We're told, and I love looking at all the brochures that health programs hand out that say that breastfeeding is free when it's really an 1800 hour a year job. It's, a, it's more than a full-time job. And then what happens to us women is because we're so complicit in our own oppression, we start saying things to ourselves like, well, I don't have time to go forage for antiques the way I used to because I have to be available to pick up my my kids from school. I'm a better multitasker. I'm wired differently for these tasks. And so I'll do it later when my kids are older. Or we say things like, in the time it takes me to tell him, her, they, what to do. I need to do this thing myself. And that's going to tape up my time that I would normally have for myself. So we end up saying toxic time messages to ourselves, these toxic messages that end up eating up our time. And then if we do have time, we're so burnt out that we use it in ways that don't fill us up, that are not unicorn spaces. And what I mean by that is hedonic well-being. And I'll nerd out for a minute because hedonic well-being is the easy way to go. And that is, you know, mommy juice. We've normalized numbing ourselves through parenthood by calling it mommy juice, which it definitely isn't. People, women were reporting taking edibles from 9am on Saturdays and Sundays to just get their way through their weekends. Binge watching Netflix, installing HBO Max on their phones to watch White Lotus while taking care of their kids. And so we've put into place all these numbing agents to get us through these hard years. And that's really, really, in the end of the day, very destructive because it's not how we should be using our time. Of course, one-off episode here or there is fine, but I'm talking about the fact that the only other thing that people were reporting to me consistently in my interviews was these hedonic escapes from the hardships of parenting. And I get it. I freaking get it. But I'm also here for us to change that, that dynamic. Yeah. Going back to those interviews, 
I'm guessing, and I'm just going to make an assumption, that you were probably interviewing parents of small children at that point, right? You weren't necessarily interviewing parents of 12-year-olds there. Is that no, true? I was. Or, or it was everybody. Yeah. The way we did it with my I had a data scientist on staff who helped me. We mirrored the US census. So we have different so ironically, what ended up correlating was that people with more income, with more means, have less unicorn space. <laughs> which I thought was actually really interesting. That's interesting. Was, That's sort of counterintuitive to what I It would be thought. counterintuitive, but there's a lot of church groups and community in a way that as you get up into the 1%, I think extrinsic goals like going for the bigger house or the bigger yard or the expensive vacation or maybe the nicer hybrid Tesla, those things become your unicorn space or you think those extrinsic goals are going to fill you up and they don't. And so I think shopping and hair dye and trying to starve yourself into you know a smaller size become sort of the goals. And again, that's why we're going dark to go light because it does not have to be that way. So that was really interesting. But yes, this was a demographic. The the hardest thing for me were the people who woke up sort of post-retirement and said that they had never thought about themselves or even the people who told me that they were at funerals and women's, the eulogies for women were that they were selfless, that they were the best parent that they did everything for somebody else and that they realized that this person was being eulogized for their verbs, their actions for others, but nothing about the person themselves. And so I would say it's across the spectrum, this need for creativity, not being optional. It's not something just for young kids because actually it doesn't get easier. There's a really cool time study where They interview people of all demographics and they say, will you be more busy or less busy in six months? And consistently people report that they think they will be less busy. And so they put things off and then they recheck in with those people six months later and they say they were actually more busy. And so again, we can't wait. This creativity is not optional. It is linked to our mental and physical health. And so we have to get this consistent interest in our own life, right? At whatever stage we're in. This episode is brought to you by Modern Mom Style Box. Upgrade your wardrobe and enjoy unlimited styles for just $60 a month. Modern Mom Style Box is the first rental clothing subscription designed exclusively for moms and moms-to-be. Get started today with a free trial. Use promo code PTO. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to teach my mother that right now, too. She's 67 years old. She was recently laid off from her job, but she doesn't want to retire yet. So she's sort of in between this. And I'm trying to get her to have hobbies, but she's always worked. She's been like a workaholic. She was a single mother, raised me by herself. And so she's always had to work. And so she's always also then even after I'm out of the house, I'm 40 years old now. So she's chosen to work and she doesn't have her unicorn space. So I'm trying to, and maybe I wasn't using that phrase with her per se, but I'm trying to show her to do something for herself. That's creative. I'm out of the house. You don't have to worry about providing for me anymore. I mean, obviously she has to provide for herself, but she needs to be able to take a step back so that God forbid when you know she does die, that people aren't just saying like, oh, well, there's Janice. She worked a lot. She was such a hard worker, which is exactly what I know people would say, but she's more than just that. 
right? And I think that as women, single women, married women, we owe it to ourselves to be more than just that. Absolutely. We owe it to our communities because what, and I think, you know, again, when you were just saying the word hobby, why passion and hobby became words that I ended up really despising was that the number one thing that people in my interviews associated with a hobby, Tara, was infrequency, which is the exact opposite of consistency. It was like, I'll pick, I have, you know, I have knitting needles and they sit on, you know, and yet I'll pick them up sometimes when I'm on the couch or if I'm watching a TV show or the idea is, yeah, maybe I'll pick, you know, go take an ax throwing class, you know, once a year. That's sort of not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is actually, and we'll talk about what we're we're talking about because this is the fun part. The fun part is to start thinking about what, what does it mean to have a unicorn space? So the great thing about this is that it does not, it's definitely not a hobby. So we'll throw that out because it's not infrequent. There's a consistency here. And the other thing it's not as a passion because passion is a really strange word. I don't even know what passion is, but one story of this one woman really illustrates to me a unicorn. And by the way, this is your unicorn space, or at least one of them. And I will tell you why I'm going to put those words in your mouth, Tara. But this one woman reached out to me last January after reading Unicorn Space and she DM me, I jumped into the Atlantic Ocean. And so I asked her, I was like, well, what, what context are you telling me this? And so she tells me that, you know, there's a part of the book where I talk about the three C's of Unicorn Space and the three C's that consistently come up besides the word consistent is curiosity, connection, and completion. It's why it's not a spin, spin class because you have to share yourself with the world. That scariness is part of it, or as Glennon Doyle would call skited, right? You have to be excited and a little bit scared. So if you think curiosity, connection, and completion are, are the words that we're going after and we're getting rid of passion, right? It's not anybody's passion to freaking jump into the Atlantic Ocean. I'm sorry. It wasn't something that she returned to. That's another piece of advice that I've always hated well, just what did you like to do as a kid? As a kid, I was helping my mother pay her bills. And so there was nothing I liked to do as a kid. I feel very traumatized by my childhood. So I don't want to go backwards. I want to go forward. So instead, I'd like people to say, where are you now with your curiosity, your connection and completion? So one of the advice I give is start where you're lacking. So for this woman, she was really thinking about those three words, curiosity, connection and completion. And what she realizes is that that her lack was in loneliness, that she just felt so isolated from the pandemic. It was so cold in the winter. It was January. It's a January is a tough month anywhere, but especially in New York, I always felt like that was when my seasonal affective disorder kicked in. And by the end of January, there's a New Yorker, actually there's a New Yorker cover that's really funny about January and every it covers every day of January. It's like January 1st, slip and fall. January 2nd, slip and fall again. January 3rd, slip and fall again into mush. And so I think by the end of January, this woman was ready for something. So she found on Facebook, like a far rockaway group that was a polar bear group that was going to jump into the Atlantic Ocean on a Saturday morning. And so she was curious about what it would feel like to jump into the Atlantic Ocean. She connected with this group and she completed it. She actually jumped into the Atlantic Ocean. That cycle on repeat is how we continue to refine that cycle, level up, like in a video game, that cycle. And so Atlantic Ocean is not probably the leveling up of where Tara is, where you are, but but the idea that you're curious about helping women solve their problems, just like you said in the beginning of this podcast, it sort of started off maybe light 
and then you started to go deeper into real issues that you were hearing, you connected with other mothers because you had to hear those issues to get the problems you wanted to solve and also to people on your podcast. And then you completed it. So even if you hate an interview, right? I mean, I'm assuming you may not like the questions you asked or the way it went or the, the full edit, but you still had the courage to upload it somewhere and to put it and share it with the world. And that is a unicorn space. Yes. Modern Mom Probs is my unicorn space. I started it as an Instagram page, a meme page when I was home with my son. He was three years old and I was looking for a creative outlet. I used to work at Nickelodeon and I used to work in social media at Nickelodeon and I was looking for something. I didn't know what it was. And at the same time, I was looking to connect with other women and other moms. And so that's how the account was born. But 100% Modern Mom. And you leveled it up. That's the thing, right? It's leveled up. It was started as a meme account. And then like you said, you were like, well, could I do something more with it? That's ultimately what happens. I'm not here to tell you. And this is why if completion, when people ask me, what do you mean completion is my struggle? People understand curiosity being a struggle. Cause I have women who say to me, the only thing I'm, one woman said to me, the only thing I'm curious about Eve is why my, you know, my baby's poop is yellow. So that made me laugh. Cause I'm not talking about that type of curiosity. It's values-based curiosity, things that make you light up. Do you light up when you walk into a library? Do you light, light up when you walk into a bookstore? Do you light up when you see a marathon on TV saying, oh, I want to do that? Do you light up when you see someone skateboarding past you you know, on the boardwalk? So people understand the lack of curiosity because that happens, right? We get just like so in the weeds. It's hard to wonder about things anymore. People understand the loneliness and isolation, especially when you were a parent. But completion was one that came up a lot. And I was really surprised by that because what was happening was so many women who identified themselves as type A were telling me they were having a problem with the concept of unicorn space because they knew they wouldn't be excellent at it. And so it would be people saying like, I do want to start this meme account, but what if I only get 90 to 25 or 25 to 90 followers? Is it worth it? And what I like to say is that completion is not perfection. It could be a meme account that starts with 25 followers. One day you'll be a podcaster like Tara. You don't know where it's going to take you. But the jumping in, the completing of something is something that will make you say, I can't believe I just did that. Those small, I can't believe I just did that. Those whispers, as my friend Robin Arzon says, become roars. For her, it became a unicorn space of just getting back to running when she was a lawyer and then that running became competitive running and that running became a book and then it became a Peloton audition. And now she's doing this full time, but it doesn't start that way. And so I want people to understand that if you're somebody who, as my friend Amanda says, is a graveyard of unfulfilled dreams, because she says, just look at my GoDaddy account. I've registered like a hundred domain names for different businesses and ideas. Then you understand and you can, you're one of us. Completion was mine. My completion was who's going to read a book about housework and chores? What is the point of even doing this? People think we've litigated this issue in the 90s. And then, you know, again, I feel like I've come a long way from that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to think that if people would have squashed that concept back in the 90s, no, absolutely not. I feel like we're just getting started. I feel like the conversation is just beginning. Just beginning. But, But when I went out, though, with a book, 
idea in 2015, I couldn't get an agent because people said women are graduating more than men from college and you're relitigating an old idea and nobody gives a shit about, you know, your story about your husband leaving a drunk guy's jacket and beer bottle on your lawn for 16 hours. And I said, well, okay, but it's funny to me. <laughs> I think it resonates with a lot of people. I Why think would a lot that of jacket and beer will- bottle still be there? Why would he have assumed that I was going to pick it up? Why would he text me about it? Oh, because that this is on you text was what this was all about. Not a, you know, this is weird that someone left a drunk guy's jacket and beer bottle on our lawn. And if you don't know what we're talking about, that's a story I tell in fair play, but it's, I'm so glad that I, I, I really was able to use the Rosa Parks quote that I think about a lot, which is that if your mind is made up, fear diminishes. And so I think that, you know, if your mind is made up to believe that what we're saying here is important, that you deserve a permission to be unavailable from your roles and not to have guilt and shame tarnish that time, then hopefully you'll be, you'll start on this journey with us. Yeah. Come on, come on the journey. Come with us. Come with us. Exactly. And can I actually give people a little piece of advice for something that may be in their way? Mm -hmm. I think about this woman a lot. Uh, She's a single mom in New York who is an early beta tester for me of these concepts. And this book is dedicated to her, or I'm telling her that now, because she was so excited. She knew what her curiosity was and she knew how to connect with people. It was through piano for her. She had a rent-stabilized apartment on the Upper West Side. And it turns out that she found out there was a music room in this apartment because there was Juilliard students living there as well. And so she took the courage, the curiosity, I wonder what it would be like to, you know, go back to a music store. Like she didn't want to just do it online. She like wanted to go into a store and like pick out sheet music. And so she said it was like the most exciting thing of her life to be a single mom with a young kid and to say like, I'm browsing a sheet music store by myself. And she started to tell me about that. And then connecting, like I said, with other people through playing piano is a very big thing to her. So she wanted to start rehearsing, not rehearsing, practicing again. So she books out this music room for whatever, 45 minutes. But it turns out her time is right before she picks up her child from daycare. And then she said the sun started setting and over the Hudson river and she, her heart started panicking when she was playing and she was very distracted thinking my child really hates being in daycare when it's dark out. And so she says she just ran from that room to pick up her kid. And I think about that a lot because anger, sadness, Those are all emotions we can hold and women hold them well and they hold them in. But guilt and shame are different. Guilt and shame are the emotions that I've noticed again in my interviews are the two emotions women will actually change their behaviors right away for like that. And so what I like people to do with guilt and shame is to think about that. No, you can feel it, but you don't have to act on it right away. And what I started to do to really practice, Tara, was I started to keep a guilt and shame journal. And so I, when I feel guilty, I write down, I feel guilty because I'm not putting Anna to bed tonight. And then I tr- cross that out. And instead I say, and this is in the book, I tell, this is one of the exercises in the book, but I cross out, I feel guilty because, and I add, and instead I made the decision because. So instead of saying, I feel feel guilty for not putting Anna to bed, it says, I made the decision not to put Anna to bed because Tara could only do the podcast recording at night. 
that's not really happening right now, but, <laughs> and I really wanted to connect with her because I, I really wanted to be sharing these concepts with other women. And you know what the beauty is? You look back a year from now and you look at what you feel guilty for. Like I feel guilty because I went to coffee with my friend and I'm like, what is wrong with me? Why do I feel guilty for leaving for 45 minutes to go have coffee with a friend? It looks so ridiculous. But in the moment, that guilt and shame feels so strong. So those are some tips, I think, if you want to come join us on that journey that I think can help. Yeah, absolutely. You talk a lot about creative legacy too. Can you elaborate a little bit about that? What does it mean to leave a creative legacy for those around us? Well, I think legacy is a really interesting idea because, again, a lot of people will contact me at the end of funerals, again, back to the dark to go light, and they will say, I was at a funeral and I heard this eulogy, and you are right. A lot of people are eulogizing women for their roles as being the best mother, the hardest worker, but I didn't really learn a lot about that person themselves. So I start to really think about what is legacy, and I think it really tied to what this one woman said to me, which was, you know, I'm okay doing it all, Eve, but I'm not okay having my daughters and my son watch me do it all. And so for me, an act of legacy is how we present to the world around us and what we model for, for those people. And so if you don't think it's important for you to have creative space, I'm telling you it's important for your children to see that they deserve to be something other than their roles as well. And when they start to see you in that legacy, it allows them to unlock their creative potential too. And so I think a lot about active legacy because the reason why I think people don't think about legacy until later on in life, and I'm acting asking you to think about your legacy now, is because we, A, we don't want to think about obviously what happens to us over time, but when you leave an active legacy now, what I like to tell people is that you can verbify your life. So what does that mean? Well, and a very big gender difference in my interviews that I thought was very interesting was that men were willing to say to me things like, oh, I really like to write, or I really like to surf, or I really like to golf. And I'd write that down. And then women or people who identified as women, they said to me things like, I'm not a surfer. I'm not a writer. I'm not a golfer. And so I start to realize that in terms of an active legacy, if we can just start using the verb, then we can be so many things that we can leave as a legacy. But if we stay in the noun, often we're too afraid to do them. And so I like to say I'm a person who writes. I don't need to be a writer. I don't need you to be a surfer. If women can do what men do and we can verbify our lives to say I'm a person who likes to surf, I'm a person who likes to collect antiques, I am a person who likes to write poetry. If we can be in the active verb, then I've noticed that we're so, we will be so much more willing to try things. And so to me, an active legacy is verbifying our life. It's to realize we can be so many more things if we use the verb and we don't shut ourselves down as the noun. Yeah. How, how or why do you think that is? It was so interesting, you know, because at first I didn't see it. And then I started to see the pattern over time because I was using so many more verbs when I'd write down a, a man's unicorn space and using nouns for a woman's or, or the lack of a unicorn space because women were saying, I, I, I'm not a writer or I'm not a, a potter. And, and so what do I think it is? I think it's that last C that's the most 
the hardest thing for us to all reconcile is women. I think we have to do things so much better and, and prove so many people wrong that excellence does become part of our identity. And so I think it's harder to try something if we don't think we're going to be excellent at it because I think failure is really, really hard. But the beauty of the sharing yourself with the world is that we now know that if you have an accountability partner, I say to Tara, I'm going to run that marathon. I'm 66% more likely to try. Maybe I won't go the 26.2 miles, but I will sign up. If you do it with Tara, if you and I run together, I'm 99% more likely to try the success partner. And so what I do think is that it's worthwhile to know that we shoot ourselves down by saying, I'm not a writer, I'm not a potter, I'm not an artist, I'm not a dancer. Because if we can say I'm a person who likes to dance and Tara, will you come with me to a dance class? I think it's a lot easier. It's a lot easier to sort of get through that hurdle. But I think it has a lot to do with how women are conditioned to receive and feel about failure and how we're, how we're conditioned to sort of receive and feel about excellence. I could tell you with 100% certainty that I would never make you sign up for a marathon because I myself (laughs) would not be doing a marathon with you. But yes to surfing, yes to dancing, yes to writing, any of those things. I love it. I love it so much. And so even having like, I have one woman who said that she signed up for a masterclass with her friend. They're not taking it at the same time, but they just get to say like, did you, you know, see class four or whatever. I mean, that that's an accountability partner as well. It doesn't mean you have to do it concurrently either. Yeah. Yeah. Eve, you're magical. You're just magical. And so I want to know what's your secret ingredient? What makes you so magical? That's such a sweet, very sweet way to frame somebody, Tara. So thank you for that gift. What do I think is really important for us all to be? I think what it's really important for us all to be is to just be really honest. So that's your that, secret that's ingredient honesty, is your honesty? Honesty, yes. I think I have not always been that. I've not always been that radically transparent about all the things that have gone wrong in my life or really even understand the context of that. But I do talk about that redemptive arc at the end of Unicorn Space. What does it mean to to feel redemption? And as a Jew, redemption is not really in our narrative a lot. It's more like Shalom Aleichem stories where life just goes on. But I do, even as somebody who doesn't live in a redemptive religion, I think about redemption a lot because I think the way I look at that, that active legacy piece is understanding that shit is messy. And this goes back to the definition of mental health that I think I want to you know, wrap up on or end on, because if you ask about magic, I think it's really truly understanding that part of understanding what mental health is, is not feeling guilt or shame because you're not always happy or always calm. The true definition of mental health is having the appropriate emotion at the appropriate time and the ability and strength to weather it. And so I think that once I realized that that I was freed by that definition of mental health, I felt like the ability of strength to weather it became the most important part. And I was able to do that by telling my own stories, by having honesty, by encouraging others to grab an umbrella. And then that is, that's made me really, really feel very fulfilled. And I'm so glad that you did. Yes. Eve Rodsky, tell everyone where we could find you. 
Well, I hope you all will watch our documentary because if, if you thought this was a little too deep or dark and you want to go for more humor in some of these themes, we have a documentary on Hulu right now called Fair Play. And so I hope you'll find us on there. Our director is Jennifer Siebel Newsom, who directed Miss Rep, The Mask You Live In. Uh, she's the first partner of California. So she has a lot of knowledge to share. And I'd say Fair Play Life our newsletter, if you go to fairplaylife.com, our newsletter is the reason our book is, our, my books are often 300 pages is because we have a lot of end notes. We have a lot of research. And so we give you sort of the cutting edge research on all these issues of work-life integration. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here with us today. I wish I could just jump through my computer and give you such a big hug. You have yes, no a idea. big hug. When I'm in New York, I will let you know. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Modern Mom Probs. I hope you enjoyed our deep dive in today's problem with me, your host, Tara Clark. Join me next time when I'll be interviewing another great guest and tackling another Modern Mom problem. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review and a rating. As always, you could head over to Modern Mom Probs on Instagram and give me a follow or check out my book, Modern Mom Probs, A Survival Guide for 21st Century Mothers, available online wherever books are sold. Well, that's it for today. See you next time, folks.